listen, I'm, I'm so glad y'all are here. Uh, if you have been with us in these last few weeks, we have been going through this series called House Rules. And what we're talking about with House Rules is three big things, rest, refocus, and risk. And these are, big, these are three big things that we have talked about that we want the harbor tonight, we want this harbor to be a place where you can come here and you can find rest, that you can allow Jesus to refocus your mind and your heart, and then also where you can go out and risk. And that's what we want this place to be, and we believe very strongly that y'all are a part of that, that you are actually a part of what River Oak Church is like. Isn't that a crazy thing that you play a part about who River Oak Church is and what our student ministry is like? And so that's what we want to invite y'all to, is, is to help us and join us in making the harbor that kind of place. Um, if you have a Bible tonight, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, I just want to always point you to the back where we have, on either side of the sound booth, we have Bibles for you. Um, so if you need one, you can go there and grab one. But really quick, I'm going to pray for us. We're going to dig into the word, and I pray that we would learn about who Jesus is and that he would change us, myself included. All right, pray with me. Father, we love you and we praise you, God, for this, this evening that you've given us, for the life that you have given us. God, now as we open up your word, I ask you, Lord, to remove distraction, to soften our heart, to allow us... Um, just to allow us this moment to hear your truth and to be changed by it. God, help us to learn what it means tonight to truly follow you, to see you for who you are, and to lay down our lives to follow you. Lord Jesus, you are worth it, and you deserve it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have y'all ever gotten involved with something that initially you really didn't know what, all, what it all entailed? But as you get involved with it, you find out, oh man, there's like a lot more to this. Has that ever happened to you? Like for me, when I was in high school, my dad owned this landscaping business. And my dad on a Saturday would ask me, hey Blake, you wanna come help me real quick? It'll be, it'll be easy, it'll be quick, it'll be, it'll be chill. Sure dad, okay. And then I go, long story short, just helping him out real quick was like, all day mulching like what on earth maybe maybe for you you've had this experience i remember when i was in high school uh math homework was on a computer you know and this would really bother me because i would look at my homework and my homework would say you only have two questions sweet i'm like okay it's due at 11 i'll start this at 10 30 and i'll be done well, I get to it and I, I open it up, two questions, sweet, question number one, let me knock this out, part one out of 500. And it's like, what? What? I didn't know what was really involved with it. And it stinks to not know what is really involved with things. Well, tonight, as we talk about this, this thing, this thought of risking and specifically risking our lives, risking our comforts, um, and understanding what it really means to follow Jesus. Like, what does it truly mean 
to be a follower of Jesus. Have you ever thought of that? Like, don't answer this question out loud, but I wonder, like, if somebody came up to you and they said, hey, uh, what does it really mean to be a follower of Jesus? How, How would you answer that? How would you respond to that question? What does it really mean to be a follower of Jesus? That's a pretty big deal, and it's something that we're going to talk about tonight. And Jesus actually, he actually answers this question for us. And tonight, as we open up God's Word and see this, I pray that you see the truth for what it is, that following Jesus is actually a a, a very costly thing, but it's worth it. It's worth it. So if you have a Bible, take your Bible with me, open up to Mark chapter 8. We're going to look at four, five verses. We're going to look at Mark chapter 8, verses 34 to 38. And as we read this, just to give you a little backstory of what's actually happening here, Jesus has been going around uh, Galilee. That's, That's this area in Israel. He's been going around and he's been preaching the truth. He has been telling people about who he is. He's been healing people. He's fed the 5,000, and he's doing all these miracles, and he has drawn this huge crowd. So as you read this, as we read this, I want you to picture the scene. These words that we read are the words of Jesus, and he is in front of this whole crowd. In fact, he calls this crowd to him. Because what just initially happened before these few verses that we're going to look at Jesus finds that his disciples, the 12 disciples who are following him around everywhere, they actually don't have a clear understanding of what Jesus' mission is. You see, they saw Jesus coming to earth, and they're like, yes, this is the guy who's going to come and get rid of the Romans, the people who are oppressing us, who are making life really hard for us. Jesus is going to get rid of them, and we're going to be on top of the world. But Jesus drops this bomb on him and he says, actually, I'm going to die. I'm going to die on a cross. I'm going to suffer and die. But I'm going to rise from the dead. And he's explaining this to his disciples who, don't, who didn't really get the whole picture. And now he's about to explain to his disciples and everybody what it really means to follow him. So listen to these words. Listen to what Jesus says. Mark chapter 8, verses 34 to 38. And picture this scene. Picture this scene as we read this. Here's what it says. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he, Jesus, said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Wow. You know, when I was young, I don't remember how old, but I had a lot of weird thoughts about what it meant to be a Christian. 
and I was probably fifth grade and maybe even in middle school, but I remember having these, these thoughts about what it means to be a Christian, and I wonder if there's some of you here tonight who maybe this is what you currently think. Maybe this is your understanding. When I was young, here's what I thought. I thought that there were these really serious Christians, you know, like the, the Jesus freaks. I thought there was that group of people, and then there was like the normal Christians. And, and to be a serious Christian was like kind of the weird thing. Like, oh man, this guy talks about Jesus a lot. Like, I don't think I want to do that. Like, I like Jesus and all. Hey, I'm all about Jesus, but that's, that's too serious. That was one thing that I thought about being a follower of Jesus. I thought you could just be this, it was just, it was cool to just be this normal, casual, like, hey, I like Jesus, but that's too much. That was one thing I thought. Another thing that I thought about what it meant to be a Christian was I thought that being a Christian meant being better than most people, morally speaking. I thought that being a Christian meant, hey, look, if I kind of stay away from the, big, the biggies, uh, drugs, sex, drinking, the biggies, cussing, if I stay away from those things, I mean, that's what it means to be a Christian, to be a good person, to not do the bad stuff. If I just kind of stay in my lane and do my own thing, I, avoiding certain things, that's being a good person, and that's what it means to be a Christian. That's another thing I thought. Of course, I found out later on that wasn't true either. Another thought that I had about what it means to be a Christian was I thought that being a Christian meant that you go to church when you can, and then eventually, you seal the deal by getting baptized. Like, you just got to go to church. And then you, once you go to church for a, lo- for a little while, maybe you hear about baptism. Then you got to get baptized. And once you get baptized, then you kind of just seal the deal. And I'm good. I don't got to worry about that horrible place called hell. I can just enjoy the thought that I, I'm going to be with Jesus and, and I'm going to be in heaven forever. And that's all it was. I didn't know the truth. And I wonder if there are any of y'all here tonight who maybe can relate to some of those things. Maybe you're here and you wonder, um, you've thought those thoughts about what it means to be a Christian. Or maybe you're here tonight and you're kind of curious, like, what does it really mean to be a Christian? Well, as we read this passage, and as we look at what Jesus talks about in this passage, about what it really means to be a Christian, we get to hear it from the source. Think about what it means to be a Christian. Think about the word Christian. The center of the word is Christ. It is Christ. So we get to hear from Christ what it actually means to be a follower of him. And look at what he says. What is it, what is really required of being a Christian? Look at what he says in verse 34. He says this, and calling the crowd, to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, anybody, all people, it's not different for you, it's not different for you, it's not different for me. If anyone would come after me, let him do these three things. He says, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. What does that mean? Think about those three words. He says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. 
Well, let's think about what it means to deny ourselves. What do you think Jesus is talking about when he says deny ourselves? Well, this is the first thing, like, well, that doesn't sound good right off the cusp, right? Hey, you want to follow me? Deny yourself. Well, here's what he's talking about. He's saying, when you want to follow me, it first involves this, you giving up control. We all love control sometimes, don't we? And it's one of the hardest things for you and I to give up because we want to be in control. He says, hey, you want to follow me? Give up control. Surrender. Give up control of your life. Get rid of all these roadblocks that you may have, whether it be in your heart, things in your life to follow me, these roadblocks. Hey, get rid of those things. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but get rid of those things so that you can follow me. He says, deny yourself. Here's the second thing he says. He says, deny yourself. And then he says something really interesting to us. He says, take up your cross. Take up your cross. When you and I look at a cross today, we see the cross as a symbol for Christianity. And that's a good thing, because it is. It, it, it really does resemble what Christianity is all about. But when we look at the cross today, we see, uh, we think about peace. We think about love. Very true things. But I want you to think about, what do you think these, this crowd, what do you think this crowd thought when he said that? What did they think he meant when he said, take up your cross? They probably were sitting there like freaked out. You see, to them, you got to rewind the clock 2,000 years. To them, the cross wasn't a symbol of peace and love, but the cross was a symbol of suffering. It was a symbol of death. And perhaps even worse than those two, it was a symbol just of shame. Shame. That's what the cross was a symbol of. Because that's what, the, that's what the people used to crucify people. And it wasn't just the suffering that was involved with, with taking up your cross and dying on the cross that they did to, to criminals back then. But it was the shame of it. Think about it. For people who uh, had to die on the cross back then, their whole family would be ashamed. Their name would be ashamed. They didn't get a proper burial, which back in the day, that was a huge deal to get a good burial. I know that's not something we think about, but that was a big deal to them. And Jesus says, hey, do you want to follow me? Take up your cross. Think about shame. Shame, it has to do with like embarrassment. Embarrassment is the worst, right? I remember in middle school and high school, like I would rather fall off a cliff than get embarrassed in school or something. You know, like embarrassment is not a fun thing it's, it's a horrible thing. And this is what Jesus is saying. Hey, you want to follow me? Hey, embrace this possibility of being an outcast. What? Embrace this possibility of no one liking you. Or embrace this possibility of no one respecting you. Whoa. Embrace the possibility of being embarrassed, even if it means, even if it means liking you. That's a pretty weighty thing, isn't it? That's what Jesus says. And here's this last thing. He says, deny yourself. He says,
says, take up your cross. And then he says, follow me. When Jesus is saying, follow me, y'all, he's saying, learn from me. Be around me. Be around me. Be around others who are around me and learn from me. It's this call to trust. To learn from him, to trust in him, to believe in him. That's what he's inviting us to. It's to make your sole purpose in life not to do your will. For me to go along in my life, not to just seek what does Blake want, what does what seems right in Blake's eyes. It's not that, but it is to say throughout my whole life, Lord, what would you have me do? God, what would you have, where would you have me go? How would you have me live? I don't want to be in charge of what, what and how I want to live, but you be in charge of me. It's this total surrender. Here's how you could sum it up. You could sum it up in this way. To become a follower of Jesus to what Paul said. Paul was a follower of Jesus. He was an apostle. Listen to what he said in, in Philippians 1.21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What is he saying? He's saying, hey, this life, it isn't all cracked up to what it, what it says. In my whole life, really, it's Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. It is the Christ life. What does it really mean to be a Christian? It is to make your life all about this person, Jesus Christ. My question for you tonight, my question that I would love for you to ponder tonight, when you go home tonight, when you put your head on your pillow tonight, I would love for you to ponder this this question. Is If he's not, what is he? What is he? What is in the place of only true life? This doesn't mean, y'all, that the only thing you're going to do in life is, is perhaps you're going you're gonna to have to be, uh, you're going to go into ministry or something. This doesn't mean uh, that you're going to have to, oh, well, if this is what it means to, if Christ is my life, then I have to go to be a missionary in this foreign country. It may, but that's not necessarily what this means, right? Like God calls people to different places, and that may be, um, you may be a fireman. You may have a job uh, in the workforce in America. Like all of us go to different places, but here's what it means. If I, for example, if I go play football, it means football isn't my life. Jesus is my life, even in that. You may pursue a certain career. That, that career, that's not your life. Jesus is life. You may fall in love with this, this person. Fellas, you may fall in love with that girl. But here's the thing, even then, that can't be your life. My wife, she's beautiful. But she ain't my life. She can't be my life. She can't be number one. Because really, if she is my number one, I'm doing her a disservice. And I also have Jesus 
I, I've put Jesus below. I have put the King of Kings in a spot that is less than where he deserves to be. That's what it means for us. It means to give him our life. So Jesus looks at this crowd of people. He looks at them and he says, hey, listen to me. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. There is no way to get to the Father except through me, he says. But listen closely. This is what it really means to follow me. If there's one thing that I pray that all of you in this room here tonight would hear. If there's one fear of mine, something that keeps me up at night, that I just, I think about our students. I may not even know you, but I think about you. And if there's one fear of my heart, it is, it is this. Like, Lord, I pray that these students do not think that being a Christian is simply to add Jesus to my life. Because if you're here tonight, and if you think that being a Christian is just to add Jesus to what you're doing, a place to go to maybe when you want something, or a a thing to go to when you feel hurt, or if you're in trouble, if you think it's just adding him to your life, you're not understanding it is to make him light your whole life. And don't mishear me. This doesn't mean perfection. There's so many moments where, I, where Jesus, where I'm not putting him in the right spot. And in those moments, he is gracious and kind and forgiving. And that's where he calls us to repent and turn back to him. That's an ongoing thing. But I wonder if you're here tonight. And if you haven't even initially come to that first understanding. Look at how he goes on and says this. He then gives her the reason. He says, here's what it means to follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And he gives us a really good reason to do that. Here's what he says. He says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Think about what Jesus is comparing this to right now. He's saying, look, this world that we live in, this life that we have, it is so short. It is so quick. He says, what does it matter? What does it matter if you reject me, if you go live your own lifestyle, do what you want, don't learn from me, don't obey me, don't love me, and you go do those things, and maybe you even make good money. Maybe you even do get to enjoy some pleasures in life. But what does that matter? You get to be 60 years old or 80 years old and you're in your deathbed and then your time comes and you're lost. He says, what does that matter? Yeah, I want you to think about eternity. I want you to think about eternity. Like, have you ever thought about what forever is like, anybody? Have you ever thought about forever? Forever is a crazy thing to think about. And I want to give you this illustration that somebody shared with me one time about forever. Think about Mount Everest. There's a picture up here uh, of Mount Everest. Do you know Mount Everest is 5.5 miles high up? Crazy, right? 5.5 miles up in the air. Well, I heard this illustration about trying to understand how long is eternity. I want you to picture this bird, small bird, and the story goes like this. This small bird, once every 10,000 years, flies to Mount Everest just for a day, just for a moment, to sharpen its beak on the mountain. 
once every 10,000 years. And here's what it said. By the time it takes for Mount Everest to be slimmed down to nothing, that amount of time will just have been a blink of an eye in eternity. This is what Jesus is pleading with these people. He's pleading with people who love the things of this world, with the people who are willing to say, I don't want you. I want to do what I want to do. Not realizing the depth, the length of eternity. And so my question for y'all tonight, my question for you tonight, Christ, your life, You see, when you think about risk and when you think about what it means to risk and risking for Jesus, here's the thing. There is really not any risk in laying down your life to follow Christ. And in fact, the only real risk is not. That's the only real risk. And that's what Jesus is trying to explain to us tonight. My question for you, what are you willing to to lay down to follow Christ? What are you willing to surrender and say, Lord, I realize that you're the only way, and I want to follow you with my whole heart. I have not done that. I want to follow you with my whole heart. Would you receive his invitation? Would you come to him? Would you trust in him? Would you say, Lord, I want to learn from you. I'm going to be in your word. I want to trust in you, and I want to follow you, not just like on a Sunday thing, not just like when my parents want me to go to church, but as my own lifestyle, whether I'm in sixth grade or if I'm a senior, whether you're at a public school or if you're at a Christian private school, regardless of where you're at, Christ, I want you to be my life. Listen to what Jesus says elsewhere, and we're going to close. He says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter that way are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. You know, the good news of the gospel, y'all, is it is really good news. And I know there's some of you who are going through a lot of things, but I just want to share with you the best news in the whole world. You see, God is the creator and the ruler of everything. And he's a good God. He's a holy and loving God, creator and ruler of everything. He created us, and it was great. And then when sin entered the world through Adam and Eve and passed on that sin to us, there was this huge problem. You and I had this problem now of sin, and we couldn't be with God. And with no hope, there's nothing you and I could do to save ourselves, to earn our way back to God. There's this chasm there that we can't get through because of our sins. We're hopeless. And the best news in the whole world is that God, who is a just judge, who has to punish sin, is also loving and he's merciful and he's kind. And he gives his only son, Jesus, who became a man, who entered the world as a baby in humility and lived this sinless life that no matter how hard you and I tried, we could not do. And he dies on the cross in our place. And you need to know what happened on the cross. On the cross, Jesus suffered the punishment for sin that we deserved. Sin had to be paid for. Jesus suffered that punishment for sin. And then dying, he rose from the dead three days later so that anyone who would do this, who would trust in him, 
as Lord and Savior and follow him that they may have eternal life. That life everlasting, that is a reality that people will get to experience, that some of us will get to experience. And my prayer in my heart is that tonight, those of you who maybe had a different understanding of what it meant to follow Jesus, you would understand that you would truly follow him. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to stand up and worship this last song. And we're going to go out tonight, y'all. High schoolers, we're actually going to go to cookout tonight. And go hang out. Tomorrow at 2 o'clock, we're going to go to Sonic. But I want you to think about this. As you put your head on your pillow tonight, I want you to think about it. Am I truly following Christ? for me. Father, you are so good, and you are so kind and so gracious to us, and we ask you, Lord, we ask you tonight, Lord, to draw us to yourself, to draw those in here who may not know you, to draw them to yourself. They would learn what it truly means to follow you, and Lord, that we would run to you. I pray that there would be nothing in our lives that hold us back, that there would be no relationship, there would be no fear in our hearts that would keep us from just running after you, Jesus. Help us to do that. God, we love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.